Today's pretty intense partner is Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. Covering my nutritional basis for the day couldn't be any easier, which is why I trust Athletic Greens. Just a mix of one scoop of AG1 with water first thing in the morning, done. I also like that it costs less than $3 a day. Pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with the highest quality sourced ingredients, win-win. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash pretty intense. That's athleticgreens.com slash pretty intense. Check it out. Welcome to the Pretty Intense Podcast. Today on the show is Mia Magic. She calls herself the headmistress of intuition. Really, she's a spiritual teacher. She has been deep in the throes of evolving, growing, and learning more about herself for the last decade and has really gotten into the... uh, the witchy side of her being. She explains off the very top what witch really is all about. So she's just gone very deep into the history of of magic and of witches and of alchemy and women and the things that we've gone through. We also get into the powers of sex magic and the powers of manifestation and the techniques that you can use to create the life that you want because sometimes so many things are really outside of our control and but we can control ourselves and how we manifest and so you'll get a great technique on how to do that so enjoy the episode please hit the subscribe button let me know what you think in the comments and the bell for notifications when you want to hear that we have an episode come out today's pretty intense partner is athletic greens i take ag1 by athletic greens literally every day I gave AG1 a try because I wanted to nourish my gut health. I wanted to have more energy. I wanted to add more micronutrients to my body. I take it first thing in the morning before I have coffee and then before I go work out. It makes me feel so good. I'm giving my body the nutrition it craves. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash pretty intense. That's athleticgreens.com slash pretty intense. Check it out. Well, the first question, how do you travel with your hats when you're when you're on the road? Because oh, <laughs> I know I that love- you're, you're in France right now, right? I, I'm in Italy right now. I was oh, you're in, in France, Italy. But, um, yeah, I actually just love wearing it. I love freaking people out in business class. You know, they're like, what the fuck is this girl doing here? You know, oh it's my really, God. so you wear it. <clears throat> oh, yeah, I can't. I mean, it folds up if it has to, you know, it'll reform. It's just made of felt. But um, but yeah, it's it's like one of my kind of enjoyable things to just like wear it in the airport. And then people like, you know, the uppity people in the plane are just like, I don't understand. This girl here. Yeah. So it's wearing, wearing a witch's hat. It's not Halloween. (laughs) No, I get that a lot. They're like, nice costume. I'm like, it's not a costume. (laughs) Why do you like to shock people? You know, I actually, from my perspective, it doesn't feel like shocking them. It feels like giving them permission, you know, like Mm -hmm. I like to live in honor of my inner child and I loved Harry Potter so much and I see myself kind of as like the young Professor McGonagall, even in the Mm. GPs, my work is um, transfiguration. And so 
Like that's her class. It's the one word in the entire English language that could have held such deep significance to me in life's work. And so it doesn't feel like necessarily shocking them. It feels like, you know, they usually have a little giggle and they're like, oh, they don't understand. And that's okay. But I think that for me, it's really important to always just like be myself and be who I want to be. And then when people see that, maybe it'll give them permission to be slightly more of themselves or a little bit weirder, a little bit more unusual, you know, the original origin or the origin of the word word and weird both comes from the old German W Y R D and it meant destiny, right? Because as we use our words, we're weaving our destinies. And when we're being weird, we're not going along with the herd or the flock, which you certainly know about like (laughs) dominating in a, in a male industry and, you know, doing your own thing, following your own path. Mm. And so that's been a really big part of my, my life and my work and just makes me feel better. I I feel better wearing it than not, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I agree with you that, you know, I would much rather be called weird. I looked up, I was called weird. An ex called me weird. And I remember looking that up and the antonym of that was conventional. And like, I couldn't imagine my life being conventional or bore, like I would call that boring. Well, predictable or safe. Like I would, it's a compliment when somebody says that I'm weird. So I resonate with like, go ahead and be weird yourself. (laughs) Um, Was there a point in time where you weren't so comfortable being yourself and like had a sort of epiphany or a come to Jesus moment or a breakthrough. (laughs) So many many of those have you had (laughs) a lot. They kind of come in waves, you know? Um, yeah, I had a really long, I almost lost my arm when I was 16. I was in a really bad accident. And I believe that that was, um, you know, when you think about kind of the Louise, Hey, we can heal ourselves, but we also are sort of creating the the pain and the trauma that we experience in our lives. And I know that that's really hard for people to like hear that and feel that um, when we've been through really horrible things to say like you chose this or you did this to yourself. I know that a lot of people don't want to take responsibility for those things. And I totally understand when we are victims of other people's abuse, then um, it's really hard to say like, I did this to myself, but I believe that in some way, right, our souls have chosen these paths and these hardships in order to form us into the people that were divinely designed and destined to be. And so, yeah, I had a really long period of sleep, very long. In fact, I was, yeah, like from, I went, I started, I was in a very hippie private school. It was called Equinox, like before the gym, like just like imagination lofts and camping trips and like just super Northern California, all the granola, like organic compost pile, the whole thing. And when I switched to public school, all of a sudden, like I was the biggest loser and no one wanted to be friends with me and no one wanted to talk to me and no one wanted anything to do with me. And so I just gradually, but pretty quickly just started like hiding my magic, hiding what I was interested in, hiding who I really was in order to just be accepted and fit in with people who, I mean, God bless them, but I wouldn't trade lives with a single one. And, um, And so, yeah, so that lasted, you know, from like 12 years old until probably like my early twenties. And then I, I was in my accident when I was 16 and I did have a come to Jesus moment. Then I was on like a lot of morphine and was like not totally lucid, but I did 
have the awareness that I was meant to help people during that time. And of course, then like I got out of the hospital and didn't have a functioning arm and was 16 years old and like felt deformed and disfigured. People would like do the retard thing. Oh, the girl with the arm. Like it was, you know, it was a hard, hard time to be, um, be so brutal. Yeah. Disfigured kids are the worst. Um, and so, so my come to Jesus moment that had happened in the hospital didn't last very long. And it turned into a lot of anger and frustration and confusion. Why me? Why is God punishing me? And then my biggest come to Jesus moment was after that, I was dating a really Christian guy and I, he would have these conversations with God. He would go and to the other room be like, I have to talk to God for a second. And, and it was like, he was on the phone with somebody and I'd be like, who the fuck is he talking to? And one day he was like very verbally abusive and God bless him. I love him. He brought me to LA and brought me on my spiritual journey because I was healing from heartbreak. So like, so grateful for him, you know, how those ones that just totally fuck you over, like end up being of deep service. And so I was walking down sixth street one day and I was like, God, the way that the sun shone through the trees and the way that the wind rustled in the leaves and like brushed down around me, it was like God was everywhere. And I felt this visceral, like, yes, I'm here. I've just been waiting for you to say my name or reach out or try to connect with me in any way. And that was my main come to Jesus moment was like, oh, whoa, God is not some bearded white dude sitting in the sky, like hoping to smite me for making a mistake. God is every breath and every moment and everything all around me and every person in front of me and every sign and symbol in my reality. And and that was the moment when things changed. And then I knew I wanted to commit to a spiritual path and really find out what it meant for me to have a relationship with God and how I could converse and communicate with this infinite, ineffable, eternal, spiritual nature of reality. And, and that's when things really shifted in my, the trajectory and direction of my life changed drastically. (laughs) Well, yeah, you have these sort of out of body, transcendental, super spiritual, elevated experiences. You literally do change your life from that point on because you can't come back. You can't unsee it, unfeel it, unlearn it unknow it. It's just, it's immediately at that point in time, everything is different. You pop a timeline, you shift your trajectory, whatever you want to call it, whatever feels good to understand. Um, So the one thing about that though, is that usually when we have these moments, like when I visited Egypt, I was introduced to an expert aromacologist who explained the healing powers of various scents. I returned home with 18 bottles of powerful essences that unlocked specific feelings and had all sorts of healing properties. I became inspired to find a functional way to deliver them in a new consumer lifestyle product. Candles became my medium. Voyant means seer, a reference to the inner eye chakra one of the key energy points in the body essential to wellness and healing. Voyant is a doorway to openness and imagination, a catalyst in our daily journey. Whether you're connecting with others or enjoying alone time, Voyant strives to beautify the home and the soul to create a haven of peace and joy. The candle is delivered with a beautiful monogrammed 12-ounce stemless wine glass, which can be used after the wax is gone. 
My limited edition candle collection is available exclusively at voyedbydanica.com. We think it's exciting to have, everybody wants to have a spiritual moment, but they don't realize that when it changes your life, it doesn't mean that it's all just puppies and rainbows from that point on. And it also doesn't mean that everything's going to stay the same. In fact, usually it means that lots of things are going to change, like, you know, who you're dating or married to or where you live or your job or your calling or your friends, like so many things can change. So like, did you have that experience? I, I heard you talking about the the relationship that brought you there and you were broken up with him at that point then, or were you together? We were together when I was, we were, I was in the like throes of like, what am I doing here? Why am I with this asshole guy? Why have I stayed so long? I've become one of those women I pity. Um, and so, yeah, I started asking, of course we did end up moving to LA together. Um, but you know, and broke up like a month after that, but it was, uh, yeah, it was so, it was so perfect. And, and it was, you know, it was deep sadness. It was agonizing pain that, that forced me in those moments to seek something greater. I was like, I have to find meaning in this because otherwise, what am I doing? Feeling so horrible. Like I feel awful. I'm sad. I'm depressed. I have like alienated all my friends because he was such an asshole. Like, you know, and, and so, yeah, I, I think that that's, and that for me, of course, like some people, it goes the opposite, right? Some people, they have to leave their whole lives in order to find who they truly are. And what happened for me was that like leaving my life is what led me to who I truly am. You know, like I, I, I became like putting on this hat and stuff, you know, things that like I would never have imagined would have made me my true self, <laughs> but they did. And, and so for me, it was more like a, yeah, it was like this unraveling. I guess it's like that for everybody. You know, you unravel the stories and the and the pain points and the negative limiting beliefs. And I mean, certainly I'm I'm fascinated by the fact that you're even here, like talking about timelines and, and trajectories. I'm like, I can't wait to hear some of the little tidbits about like how you got here. And I saw your last little clip with Kaya Ron, Jesus and Mary Magdalene and the truth about Jesus. And I obviously was just on this uh, Mary Magdalene pilgrimage. I mean, what an incredible journey that must have been for you to like be so bringing this out into the mainstream where like a lot, it's not safe often to, to mm -hmm. talk about these things. So one, I just really honor and acknowledge your courage for that because it's so necessary and there's not enough people in your position doing that. And, and for me, yeah, it was really, I had to, I had to leave. It was like the muggle world, you know, it was like in that Harry Potter moment where Hagrid comes and he's like, you're a wizard, Harry. And Harry's like, what? And then he like taps the wand and opens Diagon Alley. And all of a sudden it's owls and magic and books that can eat you and like all this stuff. And that was, that was like what happened for me. It was like, I wanted to see a magical world. I wanted to live a magical life and I had to choose that. And, and it's, it's the hardest choice every day. It would be so much easier to go backwards and like yeah. watch Netflix all day, but I don't want to. <laughs> I totally agree. Like I can remember in the first few years of transitioning into, you know, being more awake essentially and just kind of seeing things as they are a little bit more and myself as well. Uh, I can remember saying the same thing to my friend. I'm like, wait a second. I'm like, if it's mostly misery on this path of enlightenment and growth and spirituality and evolution and all of the things, like, why is it so hard? Why are we doing this? But it does get easier, right? Question is, is why? Then why? 
And I feel like there's really just such a big phase at the beginning where you really are kind of settling into a new norm and you're recalibrating and it's going really fast and it's opening up really fast. And and then you can kind of hit a spot where you do hit these moments where you have big life lessons for sure. But like at least everyday life gets a little bit, a little bit more calm because it's hard. It's so yeah. hard, but I do want to know how you gave yourself the name Mia magic. Is your name Mia and that you'd added magic or how does that, how did that happen? Yeah. My name's Mia. And um, I had a an experience. Um, I did my first spiritual medicine ceremonies. I did ayahuasca, and shortly thereafter, a five meo DMT ceremony that like blasted me fully into that experience of God. And basically, like I was dead for an hour and twenty minutes, and fully crossed over, and then returned to my my soul, came back to my body, yeah. or like the oneness became Mia again. <laughs> and you have to choose. Did you have to choose to come back? You know, it was like everything in my spiritual journey where it's been gradual. Some people have just those like, and they like do one ayahuasca ceremony and all of a sudden they're enlightened and like everything's great. Like mine has been like a slow climb every single day. And sometimes I fall backwards and then I just keep climbing back up. Um, So no, it was what I remember is returning from the eternal all and breathing as the universe. So I was like, I was, my lungs were nebulas and star systems and galaxies. And, and I was the breath of the entire universe. And that's like the first kind of conscious Mm -hmm. middle ground return space that I experienced. And then as that happened, like I became one star and then I was starlight. And then I was like a starlight being on planet earth. And I was back here and it, it felt beautiful. I was excited to come back with that new or, you know, that remembrance really. Sure. Sure. I was just asking because in one of my experiences and I've only really done essentially three ceremonies, but, but two really. Um, and one was ayahuasca and one was, um, psilocybin and in the psilocybin, I had to choose to come back. So it was like, that's why I'm curious how far, cause it was truly like gone. Bye. Bye. Um, why did you do it? I think this is a good question. Cause I haven't, I've, we've, I've talked about plant medicine for, you know, various different times with people. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's, for people listening that are curious because it's becoming more mainstream and more acceptable and, and probably a level of curiosity and a level of, of not understanding. So why did you do it? Like, why would someone go do plant, plant medicine? Why, why did you do it as an, as a, as a, uh, in the heart of Napa Valley lays Somnium, which means to dream in Latin. The Somnium Vineyard Estate is an extension of the love and intensity that I pour into everything I do. To experience our wines, visit SomniumWine.com and use the code SOMNIUM to receive a $10 flat shipping rate. Please drink responsibly. Based as a point of reference. Yeah, for me, it was, I was in a space that, that beginning of the journey, that misery was so deep for me that I was in a space of like, Anything that came to me, I would say yes. Mm, mm. I was just open. I was like, whatever you want. Sure. You know, I had gone to Burning Man for the first time. And then I had, you know, just tried sound baths and breath work and like all of these different things. What year things. was it? What year was this? It was 2013. Okay. So almost 10 years ago. Yeah. And um, yeah, and it was, it was 
And it wasn't like a big thing yet. It was still coming, you know, people were like serving medicine in, in Los Angeles. So like it, it, it had arrived here already. Um, but yeah, I chose it because I knew that it was a path to healing. And even like I, in my retreats, I like love to lead these like castle retreats, like going to Hogwarts for the week. And someone just asked me, Hey, you know, you mentioned these rituals. Are we doing plant medicine? And I said to her, no, we're not because my, the intention of my work with having learned what I have from the plants and from the synthesized medicines as well, like the 5-MeO is synthesized from the toad, from the bufo. And I have learned that there are, there's a time and a place for that. There are people who that is their path and that is just what they want to do. And there are ways to access those same states in your body through somatic release and trauma healing and through breath work and sound and movement and chanting. And like, I, my intention is to integrate the magic that I found in those states and in those places. And one of my gifts is being able to transmit that. So often when I'm leading an experience, I can kind of send a psychedelic transmission out into the field and people will be super activated, but not ever have to take any medicine. And that was to answer your previous question. That was how I got that name. Mia magic is because I started just like Mm. after that, that session, I just was like offering magic wherever I could like, do you want some magic? Do you want some magic? Do you want some magic? Do you want magic? And just like, laying my hands on people, OG healing, and just like hands on. And they would have these massive experiences. Sometimes it was orgasmic. Sometimes it was, it was sadness and and healing. And sometimes it was just bliss. And, and someone started calling me Mia magic. And it was like in this at summit, I'm sure you know, those people. And, and they just started, it just, then all of a sudden everyone just called me that. And that was was my name. It was actually a nickname. Yeah, people then just like got my last name. So then it was just like, okay, well, I guess I'm not not me a bit anymore. I'm me a magic now. (laughs) I love that. That that's cool. I actually just interviewed Robert Gilbert yesterday. And um, if you don't know who he is, you should check him out. He teaches on the Rosicrucian order and biogeometry and um uh like uh, the sciences of girl, you are so out there. I fucking love this. You are (laughs) in the rabbit holes. I'm so here for this. This is yeah. I, well, you know, here we are. There's a reason why we're talking because like we're both into all this stuff and curious. And, you know, yeah. I I mean, I was probably most drawn in by your sex magic talk, which we're going to get to because um, oh, I had just oh, run the mag. I just read the Magdalene manuscript. So we want to I want to talk about Mary Magdalene as well. Um, but there's obviously so much more and we're not even there yet. So um, but I <laughs> yeah, I, I just the, you're talking about sending out the uh, the magic to people and you know, Robert's able to put that in, you know, scientific geometric frequency forms of being able to, for you to understand that your body is always emitting a frequency. You're always emitting an energy coming off of you. You're coming up, coming off your heart, coming off your hands. And so your, your work hands on, um, your, the energy, the intention of the energy that you send out, that's real. Like those, those are, those are waves. And they're hitting people. And so that's cool. You have a, you have a good, you have a good power box in there for it. I love that. Maybe I'll feel that someday. Um, I love that. I'm feeling it already from the, from this, but in person, I'm sure it's even more, 
Like, and if you like, if you closed your eyes and I put you into your subconscious, like, woo, then we'd be on yeah. a whole other journey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can feel yeah. it right here. Right now. Tell me about what drew you into this pilgrimage and what, what, what's the, what is it about Mary Magdalene that drew you in? Well, I think that women are vastly misunderstood and misrepresented often in not like in our circles and community, which is such a blessing to like be able to live and have these conversations the way that we do. But oftentimes, you know, I'm reminded that we kind of live in a bubble and I'm like, oh, my magical life. And it's so great. And I get to wear my witch hat and go to Erewhon and la la la. And that's just not everyone's experience. And so for me, so many people listening, by the way, have no idea what Erewhon is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's our little bougie LA grocery store. It's outrageous. But like I can wear my witch hat and go in there and it's super fun. Um, so the word whore, H-O-R in Hebrew, where we get our W-H-O-R-E word, means womb or cave. And so a whore, a like, is a womb. It's a cave. It's a sacred place. Caves have all, like since time immemorial been these wombs of the earth where we can go and return to the mother, where we can go and be in complete pitch blackness. Like when you go tour a cave and they've got it all lit up, it would not be like that. You would maybe have one torch and good luck because the deeper you get in there, the less oxygen there is. And then like your fire is going to go out eventually. Mm-hmm. So caves were this massive place of initiations and rites and rituals. We were singing in the largest cave system in Europe that was so powerful and so beautiful. And so for me, I just feel as, you know, we started with the word weird. I am, I'm a Gemini. I love words. I love communicating. I love stories. I really feel deeply that so much of who Mary Magdalene is or was in the Bible and how she's represented in religion, the same as like how witches are represented when the word means wise. It's like witches were the doctors in every village. Imagine if we treated doctors the way we have treated witches. Like it's just outrageous. So I really got interested in her because it appears to me like so many other things in our modern society, she's just been misrepresented. And she was very likely the wife of Jesus and his counterpart in charging and in utilizing sex magic and creative energy, right? They're the same energy, they're the same frequency. We make love, we make a baby, right? It's creative. Sexual energy is creative energy. And so, you know, I saw the little tidbit on Tantra, so I don't want to repeat anything for anyone because you got Kaya's podcast on that. But there is so much for me about the, again, the laying on of hands, these like ancient easy, simple magic, just like putting my hands upon someone and generating these frequencies, these waves, this healing, this change of mind, change of heart. And so I believe that her womb wisdom and her work as this whore, this womb cave of the earth where we can return for initiations and for rites of passage and for transformation, I believe that she was was very much like an awakened avatar, the same as Jesus was. And they were working in in union together um, in order to create these miracles. And then she was just written out of, of the stories, the same as like, you know, there's so many different, I mean, we could go into so many rabbit holes. I know you like rabbit holes. Um, but like the the words in the Bible that have been changed, ruach, the word that is used now for the Holy Spirit means wind. 
You know, it's the breath of life. And we change these words so much. There was a time, there's a translation of the Bible where if you go back far enough, the word that became um, witchcraft and like why witches are bad and evil, it was originally manipulation. So there's just like, you know, back then before the printing press, which was invented in the 1500s, we're talking about the Bible being written, you know, in like the early one, two, three hundreds, like these different versions, everything is transcribed by hand. So whoever's sitting there, whoever's paying that person to write this down can say, change this, do that. Like, I want this to be like this. And the Bible was just changed over and over again, depending. That's why we have like the King James version, because he was the leader at the time that that version was being propagated. And so I believe that Mary Magdalene was, you know, like a goddess of her time, an enlightened woman, a powerful spiritual being who was misrepresented and and misunderstood and and was leading rituals and and teaching and being highly respected until you know it was no longer safe for her to to be doing that or until she died you know that that part there's a lot of mystery around what happened but for me because of the gifts that I have always had um because of my long study of tantra because of just like the nature of the reality that I want to create and live in it seemed like a very potent experience to participate in and go to these places where, you know, we even get like, it's said that the lineage of the Cathars is passed down from Mary Magdalene. And we even get the word catharsis or cathartic from the Cathars, who were these people, these mystic people that survived until like the 1200s in, in oh. Southern France and in this, this region where, where I am now. And, and so you know, it feels to me like there's just, there's always just so much lost wisdom. And that's what obviously you're doing too, like in such a big, beautiful way. And and what we're all, those of us who are on this path of sharing are really here to just help first remember within ourselves and go through those agonizing moments and those miserable times and those shitty fucking days where you're just like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I don't know what's happening. Help me. And persevering and pushing through and knowing that people like Mary Magdalene, people like Jesus, you know, they dealt with a lot of horrible shit to, to hold those transmissions for people like us to remember and then, you know, send out and transmit into the world. So it just felt like a really important uh, piece of the puzzle for me as well. And, and really, because I do also notice for me, like, something I've never shared on a podcast before, but um, I really do notice my witch wound, which you know, we can talk more about everyone has, it's like a result of magical people and people in their power being burned and wiped out from the planet, all indigenous cultures and civilizations throughout colonization and, and, and history. But a lot of that shows up for me in my partnership. And I feel afraid sometimes to like show him the depth of my magic. And like, he's the person that's closest to me and he's there with me all the time. And, you know, just like little things, a wrong facial expression, one small sentence that he'll say, or that he said at the beginning of our relationship, like these things that will just stick in my mind and create this massive fear of like showing up holy as yeah, as like the queen and the priestess. And so that was another big piece of it for me was like, I can't live in this illusion anymore. Like I am a Magdalene. I am a holy whore, like a womb cave of the earth designed for, you know, transformation and rebirth. And, and the most important place for me to bring that is, is into my life with my King 
so that like that ripple that I'm sending out into the world is pristine and it's pure and it's in full integrity. Yeah. So that was, that was really the, the deeper reason for me going. One of the things that Kaya talked about was I shared the story about reading the ISIS initiation um, and how cold I was that night. And she was like, well, that's just your body remembering and processing, you know, lifetimes of being murdered for your magic. There are so many of us that share and feeling like there's more and that there was that, that we have this power and it's just been suppressed and not um, encouraged or cultivated. This is the time to bring the magic back. So, um, so thank you. Yeah, it really yeah. is because, and it's not a, it's not an us or them thing. It's not a men or women or anything like that. It's more about how do we do it all together? Because actually this was said and talked about in the interview yesterday. It's about talking about the energies of two people coming together. And when you get the toroidal field moving actually he said not even at the same time but you you actually get them going opposite and they meet in the middle and create even more like a like a like a vortex of its in in and of itself there that can't be possible until both are able to fully express practice and express what they're capable of so let's talk more about just kind of like the cult of Isis and, you know, the lineage from that and, you know, what you know about that, because <clears throat> I was just very intrigued about sex magic and a girlfriend had given me the Magdalene manuscript and I love channeling and there's channeling in it. And so yeah. maybe going into like what about the, the, the cults of the cult of Isis and these cults that existed in ancient Egypt and, yeah. and I'm sure in other places too, um, and, and what their mission was. I mean, everywhere, like really, when you go back far enough, like every civilization has these beautiful, powerful, ancient cultural magics, but we get the word cult or we get the word culture from these cults, right? Like yeah. this is how we created our culture. And just really briefly, something I want to mention, you said, you know, it's not about gender, men or women, the witch wound affects men in a totally different way because they were actually supposed to protect those women who were burned. So like people really negate men from the witch wound, but like that is outrageous because imagine if it was your sister or your daughter or your wife who's being stripped out of your house and put up on a pyre or drowned or whatever it is like, and it was your job to take care of her. There is a massive witch wound. And of course, like, you know, men also like anyone who was practicing magic or earth-based wisdom or using the medicine of plants, which was the only medicine we had <laughs> until <laughs> right. you know, the modern day, um, anyone would be killed. But that's just something really important to acknowledge for any uh, masculine listeners and like women with, with male partners is, or anyone with male partners is like, really to recognize that it affects men and and also really the, like, good point you can't you no know, crying no feeling like all of that it's all it's just been programmed into us all differently oh, thank you so with the the cults of isis you know i personally i love so deeply uh just the magic of utilizing energy as technology Right. And that's what Tantra really is, is like energetic alchemy, this elemental union of like breath and sound and movement through the body and the sweet waters and the sweat and the tears and like all of the elements that make up our bodies and, and wielding them for our desires, for our healing. And so from my understanding, 
you know, when I went to Egypt and I know you've been on a pilgrimage, I saw you went with some of my sisters a few years ago. Um, I personally, you know, everything that's like called a sarcophagus, I'm like, oh, this is a burial chamber. I'm like, that is fucking ridiculous. Like those are not burial chambers. There's nobody being buried in there, but there's a lot of magical sound frequency technology in there. And there's a lot of really cool, perfectly, you know, little whispering moments. And so it feels to me, and also, you know, when you, when you go there and you learn about how much bigger the Nile was during that time, it went right up to the temples. Exactly. So they're like using hydropower, right? You know, they're using water, they're using energy, they're using sound. And one of the things that I'm sure you guys went to the Osirion, that place that just was discovered 85 years ago, underneath the sand and these giant stones that are all perfectly aligned, just like pristinely cut the same as the Great Pyramids. And they're like 150 tons, which is like 300,000 pounds each. And I sat up against one of them and I love to do this channeled writing practice. You said you love channeling. So how I love to channel is I just invoke whatever the thing is, whether it's the goddess or the dragons or mother nature or the stones in this case. And I said, I call upon the stones of the Osirion. Please write to me, through me, anything I'm meant to receive in this moment. Yeah. And I asked them, how did you get here? And they said, they learned to sing our songs. They learned to sing with us and they asked us to come and we agreed. And they showed me, I didn't write this part down, but they like showed me this image of people singing and chanting. I don't know if what else may have been creating sonic frequency, but like utilizing word and voice and, and like perhaps words of power. I didn't, I'm not very like clear audience. So I didn't hear anything. I just like saw this visual of it. Yeah. And it was like the stones separated themselves from the mountains. There wasn't anything being cut. They just like kind of like stepped forward out of the mountains. And then I was seeing them like floating and they were like hovering over the ground and kind of like, you know, it's not like stones walking, but you know, like moving, hovering over the ground. And I always think about, I'm, I don't know, you don't have kids, right? So I don't know if you've seen Frozen 2, but I love that movie and I watch it all the time because it's super magical and it has these like earth giants and they're these giant beings made of stones and covered in moss. And always reminds me of that. It's like the earth is alive. She is alive. And when we relate to these elements, especially like stones as being dead, when in fact they are just like billions of years older than us. And you see the way that mountains form and change, like they are alive very much just in a different way than we are and operating on a completely different time scale and and line and frame. For sure. And so I think that for me, that cult of ISIS and the sex magic, it was all about just an elemental awareness. Those stones are like the bones of your body and the muscles and the, is like the clay and the mud and the earth and your hair is like the trees and the plants and your breath is the wind and your blood is the water and there's electricity making your heartbeat in every single moment. And so my perspective on the, the cults of ISIS and really every ancient major civilization and the magic, you know, like if you go to a place like Machu Picchu, even this Montfigur in in the South of France, the last stronghold of the Cathar people that we were just visiting. These are like high ass mountains, 
tall, big, craggy, like, yes, there's steps that have been built, but they didn't exist before. How are you going to build a castle on top of there? How are you going to well, blow you away? You see it. You're like, really? Really? Yeah. So I believe that so much of what was happening during those times was the result of a profoundly different relationship to the natural world and the elements than, than perhaps we can even really fathom. You're talking about this biogeometry. I've never even heard that before. That's amazing, right? But like the, our bodies are made of geometry. We can connect to this toroidal field. We can activate that within ourselves. When you think about the Magdalene manuscripts and the black and the gold serpent winding up and down one another, the, the hieroglyphs in Egypt, like all these these pictures and paintings and depictions of what's possible in our bodies. And, you know, it just doesn't take that long to wipe out that kind of knowledge when the only other alternative is death. Yeah. <laughs> so I, well, you're going to keep talking about this, like you're dead. And so, you know, that created a lot of suppression and a lot of silence. And, and in the last, you know, 2000 years, the, the true magic of our species, I believe, has been lost. And, and myth and fairy tale are really the only two places where it's been maintained. That's why some of the work of Carl Jung is so incredible that like myth is describing our neurology. Myth is describing our powers. Fairy tales were not originally for children. They were originally like your entertainment that you would tell around yeah, fire. Yeah. Yeah. With your family and how you would learn what's possible for you and how you would understand your own archetypal journey. And I mean, rites of passage, initiations, like there's not even when women become mothers, there's no acknowledgement. It's like, oh, have little, you know, baby presents and like, let's play games. But there's no acknowledgement of the fact that like you are one person until the day that baby comes and you're a different person after that. And so I think that, you know, those, those cults, Isis, Ishel, the Aborigines in Australia, the Dogon people, like there is magic all over this planet. And I just think that it's been systematically erased so that we are more easily mentally enslaved, mm, totally. <laughs> you know, then we all are just like little workers who just, well, you know. I, mean, I looked up the word magic because I was going to ask you to define magic. Um, <laughs> and you can go ahead and give me your definition of magic. But I looked it up just to know the actual definition. And basically, it's like, it's, it's, it's mysterious and supernatural powers. That is such a bullshit definition. Like, what is that? Like, that says nothing to me. Like, that's, so it's basically like telling me I have junk DNA. You're like, oh, so we just don't know what it's called. So we're just going to call it junk. It's like, Magic is what we can't explain yet, but it doesn't mean it's not real. Yeah, there's a What's lot. What's your definition of magic? I think magic is our essence and our natural state. I like that it's supernatural, but it's not above nature. It is nature. And for me, I think that the, the essential nature right now of accessing and actualizing magic in our lives is healing. Yeah. It's healing these forgetfulnesses and these confusions and these delusions and these separations and these limitations. And so that that's why that's what my work focuses on is, is healing. My magic is healing magic, right? There's people with different magic. That's what's also so beautiful and such an amazing gift of like getting to be who I am and like everyone's little spiritual fairy godmother is like everyone's magic is unique. You actually can't define it because everyone's is different. You know, there's some people who like 
they don't want to be on camera. And there's some, you know, the witches of the of the old days in the enchanted wood, and you'd have to find the right spiral of moss and the right feather hanging in the right place in order to get to them. And like, where's their little hut to like find the perfect remedy for whatever your ailment is? You know, everyone's magic is unique. And I I just believe that magic is who we truly are. We are magic. We're literally circling a giant ball of fire on a floating organic spaceship right now. Like that's so that true. Magical. <laughs> yeah. When they, when you, they've, I think they've seen like when you're conceived in the womb, it's a spark. Yeah. That's magic. Like yeah. what the hell? Basically it's saying it's mysterious and supernatural. Like no comprende. I don't know. <laughs> it's just magic. You're conceived. I mean, I think it's so funny how we look at ancient Egypt or Machu Picchu or any of these, you know, um, Gobekli Tepe or Easter Island or any of these mystical places in the world and ancient ruins that we find. And I think it's funny that like, we don't just realize we lost a shit ton of info. Like, like we don't get it. There was clearly another energy entity, uh, technology, there was some, there was something that is completely lost. Let's just go. Yeah. So something wiped us out and it's just as simple as that. It's not like why I don't understand why we always try and reverse engineer how the pyramids were built with like um, ropes and um, blocks and, you know, you know, thinking you're going to get them all down the river on their (laughs) boats, like seriously, like on logs. I mean, it's just funny to me. And so I think we're just kind of entering, we're, we're exiting the cognitive dissonance around the fact that we are the pinnacle of what's ever been here. That's not the case. Or no. we'd understand, but we don't. No, so no. what, um, what, uh, let's talk about, do you want to talk about Tantra or do you want to talk about witches next? Ultimately, like they're really the same thing. Again, which means wise. So it's just about embodying your wisdom and everybody's wisdom is going to be unique based on their life experience, based on their trauma, based on their pain, based on what they've, what they've done with that pain. You know, did you let it take you down? Did you go into the full spiral and like lose yourself completely? Or did you let it rise you up? You know, my, my journey included both of those things, right? There was like, 10 plus years of just like deep doldrums and depression and darkness. And then ultimately like, that's what motivated me to climb out. And so, yeah, witches, I mean, we could go all day on that. And what's the history on witches. I'm really curious. I'm learning more about it. I mean, um, yeah. Which part do you want to know? I I mean, mean, well, you know, I just like, you know, having some conversations and someone being like, you know, some like 9 million witches were killed in Europe. And um, I don't know what the Which timeline was, was on that, but percentage of the population at yeah. that time. A so huge what, yeah, what do you know? Let's go back as far as you know, and then just kind of like chunk it forward because I feel like this is significant to, you know, like you pointed out men and women, but especially women understanding, you know, perhaps why they are afraid to tap into their, intuition and their ability to have clear clairnosis or, you know, clairvoyance or whatever it may be that these, these, these skills are, are, are resonating in our cellular memory and we're trying to wake them up. Yeah. And it's not even limited to like psychic gifts and abilities. It's to standing out. It could Mm. have been to 
too beautiful. It could be to having anything wrong with you, like a disfigurement or a deformity, even if it was from an accident, like that could outcast you. Um, wow. There's there's so much. It, it goes so deep. So one of the main shifts that occurred was like in the, the foundation of the Roman Catholic Church. And so there was an emperor, Constantine, who uh, ruled like in the 300s. And originally he was chill because at that time, paganism and, and polytheism was still the main religion of Rome. Like we're talking about the Roman pantheon that is descended from the Greek, that was descended from the Egyptian, right? We think about Ho uh, Thoth became Hermes, became yep. Mercury. Like, you know, they're just different names. They're just changing language for the same, same beings, same energy, same avatars. So Emperor Constantine was like, okay, all of you pagans and polytheists, you guys need to tolerate these new Christian guys. These like, you know, formerly Jews, now they're Christians, like they're coming up, they're here, they want to worship the way that they want. You guys got to let them be. No problems, no issues. Great. By the end of his reign, he had completely changed his tune. All of a sudden it was like, uh, outlawing paganism, sending troops, sending Roman troops up into like Britannia, into the northern parts of Europe in order to wipe out pagan people. The theory is, is that he was being funded by the Roman Catholic Church, which at that time started like confiscating temples. So this was a big thing that was occurring in Rome during that time. Like there's like Venusian temples. You look at the Colosseum, like Rome was literally built on temples. Like the original Roman empire is like said to be a, dis or, or emperor was said to be a descendant of Venus, right? It's like, it was very magical. <laughs> and they started confiscating the temples in order to like give Christians a place to worship. Fine. Great. Like everybody deserves to worship. Okay. But then they started like taking the resources and confiscating lands and, and just like basically stealing from pagan and polytheistic people and then giving that money to the Roman Catholic church and the Vatican. They gained like sort of political prowess by like the, the sixth century. And then by the 15th century, they were given absolute rule. And then the Roman Catholic Church ruled Rome. And now like the Vatican is its own country. Like all the gold, you see like how the Vatican is like covered in gold. Gold doesn't grow in Europe. Guess where it grows? In Latin America and all that colonization and all that pillaging and plundering and pilfering that was happening. Yeah, they in stole it all, right? Everything, most of the stuff in the Vatican is stolen, right? Everything. Yeah, yeah, Everything. yeah. And, Not to mention and, what's underneath the Vatican going on. Exactly. And burned the Library of Alexandria where like all of the, you know, we, or like, so they say, right? They say that they burned it. Who knows? Maybe. Oh, maybe still the there? <laughs> yeah. All the esoteric wisdom that we're wondering about, like all the Atlantean documents, all the like building of the pyramids is actually just hidden under the Vatican. We just need to infiltrate. Um, Let's go. But it's a long period of history. And the problem is, is that, um, I love that like William Wallace quote from Braveheart, Mel Gibson, like classic, where he's like, history is often written by those who have hanged heroes. We don't know the truth entirely because the people who wrote the books and have kept the only records that we have are the ones who were like doing the damage. What was really going on, I believe, and when you look back into those times is like 
polytheistic people or anyone who had an earth-based religion was relating to like spirits of place. Genius Loki is like a Roman term that the spirits of place exist, that every plant, every animal has a message, has symbolism, has information for you. This is what my entire book is about. It's like the, it's one of the universal laws. It's the law of correspondence as above, so below, as within, so without. And so when you are the kind of person that not only knows how to work with the medicine, which means understanding how to use the plants in order to heal yourself, you understand the cycles of the moon. So you know how to grow your food. You understand like energy. So you know how to relate and interact with people. You don't really need anyone. You're pretty sovereign. You can just kind of like live your life, do your thing, have your rituals and like you mean you don't need the hospital, you don't need governments, you don't need all the different things that they interject into our life to, you know, establishments of control and propaganda and fear, helplessness. Girl, I love you. Stop. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're just, you know, I boil frogs in this show. Do you know the expression of boiling frogs? I don't, but I so, like it. It's if you throw a frog in to a pot of boiling water, I'm telling my secret on the show itself, but then they jump out. But if you turn the heat up slowly, you can boil them. They won't jump out. So on this show, we just like to slowly turn the heat up little by little. And oddly enough, it's getting more popular. So let's just keep turning the heat up a little bit. I love that girl. Bless you, sis. Like it's so it's yeah. I just am like, (laughs) So grateful that you're being so brave because I, this is like one part of the greater sort of industry and world you're part of that I have a really hard time with, like that nobody's speaking out. Everyone just like, oh, I don't want to not get that job and I don't want to not get that. Like, and then, you know, people get slammed and canceled for speaking the truth. It's just so crazy. So anyways, hallelujah, bless me. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, being who they're being. And, I digress uh, now. Back to yes, exactly. back to which is being murdered. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah. So they didn't need the systems. And, and then a big part of the, like, church's thing became, like, tithings and giving yeah. your money to the church. And, like, you owe the church, you know, for whatever the fuck. And so then when the church became the governing body and the church is the one taxing people, and then you have to give your tithings, it's really just a money game. And when you look at the like powers that be in the world, they're like the top, top of the three major religions of Islam, of Christianity and of Judaism. And like those three major religions were doing the same thing. Like everybody's been doing the same thing, like getting people to give them money and like you know, suppress and, oh, it's this one God. It's only this one God. No, it's that all is one with God. Everything. All exactly. Like everything is God. God is everything. God is this moment. God is the invisible connection that's making this computer work. Like God is every breath and every element and everything. And so when you know that you're dangerous because you can't be controlled and again, like we were briefly mentioning earlier, the only alternative was death. So like you got pretty quiet pretty quickly. And 
that I think is the, the big thing. If you spoke out, if you said no, hey, you can't do this, you can't take that land, you can't take my cow, you can't tell me I have to convert. Well, I had a super cool past life regression that I did up in Sedona. I was with Kaya, actually, went up for a few days um, cool. last fall. And uh, in this regression, um, I was like in, I was basically like a Native American in some way. And I was coming through sort of like maybe Nevada, Arizona, like, and I was heading to LA. I don't know. It was like LA original. Like it was whenever LA was just nothing. It was just um, village. And I got there and I was so proud of myself. I was by myself and I got there and I realized I had a medicine pouch on my waist. And I was like, oh, because and it was like a farmer's market. So I was like, oh, I'll set up a table and I'll sell my magic. I'll sell my my medicines. And so I sat there and nobody wanted anything. So then I was like, hmm. And then it became where I did medicine circles at night with women. And it wasn't that women couldn't men couldn't come. It was just that men didn't want to come. So it ended up being women. And so that went on for like 10 years. And then the men just weren't okay with it anymore. And they were like, basically, it was either leave or keep doing your medicine and we'll kill you or stay and stop doing your medicine. And I decided to stay and stop doing my medicine. And then the regression was like blank from that point out. It was like it was like it faded to gray. I couldn't remember what happened for 30 years. And then I just died at like 70. And the moral of the story was you can either die for doing your magic or you can die anyway from not doing your magic because you're all, you're dead if you're not doing your magic. Oh, yeah. Right. That's right. how most people are living right now. You know, that's how most people live their lives. That's why like goes back to that very first question you asked me about my hat and why do you like to shock people? Like I want to shock people out of the fucking nightmare that they're living in. Cause that to me is what like muggle normal reality is. It's my nightmare and I can't, I can't live like that. So that's such a beautiful memory to have. And, and obviously, you know, part of the motivation for why you're, you're doing this and being who you're being. Cause like, there's no, it is hard. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do pursuing your magic. It is so painful and agonizing, but it is the most worth it quest of all time. And, you know, even like the word you said, like propaganda, like that word comes from the Roman Catholic church, propagare, to like propagate the faith. You know, that word was originated by the church. And so, you know, we just have forgotten that, that we've been programmed with the only option for survival being like, leave your magic behind, keep it secret. Don't show it. Don't, don't stand tall. Don't be big. Don't be powerful. Don't be beautiful. Don't be, you know, a fucking female warrior. Don't be anything other than like small. And even the word humility, the word humility has been bastardized by the church. Like so many words, like the word vagina means sheath for a sword. Like I'm sorry, but this magical pussy palace pleasure portal <laughs> is not for weapons. Like this is for wands only, you know, and the word humility, 
In Latin, humus is not a chickpea paste. It's the black gold of the forest floor. It's that rich, deep soil that is a result of everything that's fallen away, all the old fruit, everything that's rotted, everything that's died, everything that's just that you that the tree has let go of decomposing and alchemizing and becoming that which fuels the future. And, and it's changed to be like, oh, be small and humble yourself to God. Like I am God. I will know myself as an alchemist. I will know myself as when I let things go, they help serve me to grow. Right. So and look at your look, look to the inside for the answers, because when we don't do that, we we lose our footing. We lose our way. We are manipulated. We are confused. We don't make progress. Um, we step further away from our magic. And when we turn inward to, for the answers, cause we are God, then we, we make, we move forward. So like, I think that this is a practice. This is a phase where we're, we're learning how to tap into our intuition and ourselves and our, and, and, and not come out of this, um, make this the strongest relationship because it's so wise and it won't fool you. It's not going to fool you to try and trick you. I mean, like that should, that really resonates. Like you, your inner being is not here to trick you. Everything outside of you can trick you. I'm curious because, you know, you said pussy, so let's get into some sex magic. I think that this is an important topic just because we're talking about so many things that are kind of out of our control, but what we can control is our, our, our manifesting capabilities. And I love the manifesting aspect of sex magic and how to call that in and bring into fruition the life that you want. So how do we do that? Girl, let me tell you, it works. I've done absolutely everything with sex magic. Um, and, and also for me, there is a deep support system that can be accessed through a more powerful relationship with the planet, with Mother Earth, with nature. I find that because we're using the body for sex magic and the body is the fund fundamental earthly element, it is this foundation upon which we, not only we grow, but our spirit grows, our energy amplifies. You know, I personally, it's just something I've been standing up on my soapbox about a lot lately, but like, I don't buy anything from Amazon. I buy everything secondhand as much as I possibly can. I know it takes me 12 times as long to decorate a new house from antiques as it does from like just buying everything easily. But I just have this profound commitment and devotion to the planet that serves me so deeply and so beautifully. And because our body is a reflection of her body and vice versa, when we are in right relationship with the planet, when we know we can go out into nature and like feel the energy of the mother we all share and, and the mother who holds us all, there is a, a greater support that then is alive inside of your body. Okay. So sex magic is literally just utilizing your sexual energy for magic, whether that's accessing your supernatural gifts or healing or amplifying your personal power or creating a, a dream, actualizing a vision. 
how I have learned sex magic, there's so many different practices. There's Celtic sex magic and there's more, you know, Egyptian. Like I would say that there's a lot of sound in the Egyptian lineage when we're talking about like these chambers and what the pyramids were really for and yeah. how, you know, they're all missing their Ben Ben stones, their, their top activating stones. Totally. So like, they're not really turned on. So we're not like feeling the same vibrational resonance, even when we go into them now. And also like, you know, Egypt, modern Egypt is so like the apocalypse, like golden age society that has fallen, which is so heartbreaking. But I think that again, like finding the, the, finding the path, like I like to call it your intuition. That's the name of my book as well. And your, your intuition, your inner wisdom, your inner guidance system is always going to guide you to whatever the thing is that's right for you. So my personal practice that I have learned from my tantric lineage is about using breath, sound, and movement through the chakra system. So you start at the root and it's red and it's primal and it's the earth element. So it's like the animal nature of who you are. And then it's into the womb or the sacral chakra. This is watery. It's a, it can be associated with orange or like, you know, you really like do whatever you want, right? Follow your intuition. But that's the color of the chakra. So you like swirl this warm golden energy in that chalice inside of you, which again, men and women, you still have a sacral chakra. You have that. That's where our, our holy waters, right? Our sweet waters of our, our genitals and our sexual organs all live for all of us. So you tune into like the flow and the sensual nature of what this, this thing is that you're amplifying. You rise up into the solar plexus chakra. Again, this is with breath and sound and movement. What does the fire inside of you sound like? What is the, what is the movement of like that fiery action within you? This is, again, the solar plexus is our, is our chakra of action. So that's a really important place as you're doing this sex magic to really follow what your body wants to do. If you want to like shake or like get super weird, then like you have to do that because that is the portal of transformation. That is the fire element within us. Like, let me take action. Let me do the thing that I'm guided to do. So are you moving then with the feeling in each chakra? You're kind of allowing yeah. your body to move, whether it's through personal pleasure or whether it's through dance is that yes. all the, it's, it's however your Girl, body I've done this practice in every position I've done it <laughs> sitting I've done it standing I've done it with two hands I've done it with one hand I've done it <laughs> all different ways um yeah and I I was actually celibate for three years before I met my partner and I was doing this practice a lot <laughs> so um so yeah it is generally like with self-pleasure if you really want to like use it to its yeah. highest benefit. You're working through the chakras. Yes. Breath, sound, and movement with self-pleasure or with pleasure with your partner. Got it. Okay, cool. So then you're rising up. Your heart is, is breath. It's, it's green. It's like gratitude. It's expansion. You're breathing into your heart. And again, like you can be in any position you can be laying down and it can, it, the dance can take you over or like you want to just be adding more breath, whatever it is. Like it's such a unique individual practice. I mean, I do this in, in like community with my, my sisters and we actually did finally just do some, some co-ed sex magic recently. That's been like integrated into community. And like, I've seen people do all kinds of things doing this practice. Like you can do it from any position, any props you want to use. I've seen fruit be used in really beautiful ways. Like you just make it your own. 
<laughs> and then you, you're in the heart chakra. It's green. It's breath. Again, it's expansive nature of love. Like what, what does it feel like to have this thing or to be in this place or whatever it is that you're amplifying and manifesting? Like what's the love that you feel for it? Mm. Then you go up into the throat chakra and it's blue and it's free. And like, this is a great place to like, especially for people like when I lead sex magic in my retreats, anyone who like hasn't made a sound yet, you can just feel like then like all the sounds emerge finally, like at the, at the throat. And then you bring it up into your vision and you really think about it and feel into it. Like, what is this thing? Like, what are the thoughts that I have already having this what are the thoughts that are completely healed from my mind, the old negative limiting beliefs, mm. the like bullshit that I don't, that isn't helping me get this. And you, and you can really cleanse that with your sexual energy. Again, you're, you're lifting this energy from the base of your spine, from your root, through your whole body, charging all of your energy centers. So when you reach your mind, I like to see it as like purple. Some people, you know, say it's indigo or some people say that it's already white and then the crown doesn't have a color. Again, you get to do whatever you want, but like, I love purple. It's a very regal color to me. It, it also is a combination when you think about the colors of the rainbow in the body, it's a combination of the root and the throat. So it feels to me like this blending of like my grounded foundation and my full expression. Mm -hmm. And then that becoming the, the, illustration of my own royalty. So I love to like see this purple energy, just like cleansing through my brain and like washing all of my thoughts. And then you let the pleasure rise up into your crown. And, and for me, I love just like connecting to the divine, connecting to God, goddess, universal consciousness, and like feeling your pleasure as a gift from the, the, goddess or, or from the universe, like what an incredible blessing that we can even access these climatic states. Mm -hmm. and, and then from there with your vision, you, you know, you don't have to rush, right? There's no rushing. I'm like in the big groups, like, I don't know, there's pressure. Sometimes it's weird. I'm like always the last one to come. Everyone's like mm -hmm. had this whole like big giant roaring orgasm. And then I'm like doing it later. So you just take your time, no pressure. You never force yourself. And then you you in this connection to the divine, you let this waterfall of pleasure, the waterfall of experiencing your manifestation, just wash all over you and how I've learned it from Layla Martin, dear sister, um, OG Tantra teacher. She calls it your five senses reality. And that fountain that washes down over you is what you see, what you hear, what you feel, what you touch, what you taste, what you experience, what you smell in the reality of already having this thing. Yep, yep. So I did this for my book deal. I did this for my partner. I've done this for amounts of money. I've done this for programs and all of these things. Like I've done this for so many different things, um, that like have all come to fruition in my life. And, um, it's really about like truly understanding what is, what's different. If my life here and now looks like this and my life here and now looks like that smells like that feels like that, what, what are the big things in between? And then at orgasm or at peak pleasure, again, there also isn't like a, you don't have to orgasm. There's no pressure, like never put any pressure on yourself with sex magic. And also don't do it when you're like feeling super down. Cause then you might just like get down on yourself. If you don't orgasm, 
not a good idea. You want to do this like in a high vibrational state. And that fountain is your five senses reality. It's like the most empowered version of your imagination that you can possibly use. And you just let that wash over you and cascade down upon you and bask in that immersive vision and scene as long as you possibly can. And so that's how I've learned it. You can integrate so many other practices, sigils and mirror work and like with your partner or by yourself, like there's hundreds of different ways to do sex magic, but that's the one that I was really utilizing consistently throughout my time by myself, um, that helped me draw my partner into my life. And then, um, that, yeah, like maintaining that practice in my community has, um, been really a huge blessing for my business because again, we're using that creative and sexual energy. And like when you're calling something in from a state of pleasure, I mean, the universe wouldn't make orgasms feel so good if it didn't like us having them. <laughs> and I think that like, I think that the big bang, like to me is like a big cosmic orgasm. Like <laughs> the universe is causing, so, like, yeah, I mean, you're right. They, that's so good. It's, it is so good. The whole universe is rocking. Um, so why in a group though? I'm curious about that. Why not? I don't know if there's a bigger reason. Is it an amplification of frequency? Is it more about liberation? Oh my goddess, the liberation. I mean, at least for me in my early twenties, like living with roommates and stuff, right? Like the only time I had ever heard a woman having sex or like having pleasure was either like behind a closed door that you're kind of like, you're either at a party or like it's a roommate or you're not, you know, you're not like not supposed to hear it, but you're just like sitting in your room trying to just like live your life or it's your parents or it's, I don't watch porn, but you know, or it's porn or whatever. And there's kind of this, like, I shouldn't see this. I shouldn't hear this. I shouldn't know that this is happening. We all have horrible memories of our hearing our parents at least once in our life. You know? Exactly. I walked in on mine. The first time I ever did that practice with sisters in a circle, it was so profoundly healing to let it be acceptable to be heard and to hear someone else. Like we started doing it in, um, during uh, this teacher training and it's part of the homework. And so you, you just do it on your own, but it's like a bunch of us living in LA. Well, uh, we might hey, as- girlfriend, what you doing tonight? Um, uh, so I was wondering. <laughs> exactly. No, literally, we be- it became pussy church. We it su- every Sunday morning, we would do sex, magic, and brunch. You know, when I lead it at my retreats, the unanimous response is I was so terrified. I was so worried. I was so uncomfortable. And then at the end, it just felt like the most natural thing ever. It just felt so right mm. to support another woman's pleasure to, to be there, to like amplify it. One of my other friends was like trying to get a book deal and we all did sex magic and she told us her five senses reality. And then we all did sex magic to it. For her, um, like with, yeah. with that intention. It's about amplification certainly, but it's, it's more about just healing the stigmas and, yeah. and letting it be Have, Did you go do, did you do Dr. Bronner's car wash at, um, at, uh, Burning Man? So I've heard that's similar, like, obviously it's not orgasming together, but I've heard it's similar that, you know, you basically, so for those who don't know, I mean, this is like a little bit more of a, you know, risque thing to do at Burning Man. You don't have to do it. I didn't do it. I almost did it the last day. And then it was a whiteout. And I was like, I'm not going to go like shower and then be covered in dust. So, 
But you go and you get naked and you you go through the car wash. They hose you off with soap and then they rinse you off. And then you go on the dance floor and they're playing music and you kind of dance and dry off. And the stories that come from that from people that have helped like sort of like Sherpa and shaman people through it to like be brave enough is that these women are so liberated afterwards and they feel so much more confident. And I think it's because, you know, you see how human everybody is and, you know, you're, you're, there's no fears. You're not thinking you, you go in thinking maybe I'm going to be weird or I'm not going to look right or sound right or feel right. And then you realize that you're all the same. Are there any other sort of ancient rituals or practices that you'd like to sort of call to attention that you think people should be practicing right now? Ooh, hallelujah. I'm so glad you asked me that because I just um, was so blessed. This is not something I would have normally dropped into this conversation, but I'm really glad that you asked because I actually just had the incredible blessing of participating in a bison harvesting ceremony. And I was vegetarian for like 10 plus years. And due to like the nature of the food system, um, my gut just needed a change in diet. And that was really hard for me. I did not want to start eating meat. I saw like four different naturopaths and holistic nutritionists and fucking regenerative medicine doctors and all the people. And they all told me the same thing. You need to eat red meat. And I was like, but I love cows. Like I don't want to do that. Well, either they die or you die. So. Right. Yeah. And there's a right way and there's a wrong way. The same as like what is happening in our modern world. So I grew up in a hunting family. I'm from Northern California. Again, like my dad would always go out and hunt and had like very spiritual experiences with the dogs. You know, they like all sit there completely silently and the duck goes down and only one dog's name is said and only that dog goes out. Like, you know, it's a, it's a whole process for them. But in this experience of harvesting the bison, I I didn't want to be the kind of person that just eats meat, buys it in a plastic package at the grocery store and just is like on my merry way, not thinking about it, not acknowledging the animal who gave its life, not caring about the the system that is, you know, the same as the government and the fear and all the bullshit, all the propaganda, like that's killing that animal. I just like, I did not want to participate in that. So this was just one of the most beautiful primal experiences I've ever had. I have so many ancient rituals, but this I feel like is what's coming through. So we got there and he was alive. This bison was kicking up his heels and he was alive and snorting and, and, you know, hooving the ground and, and he was released and he was running through the fields and he ran back to see his herd. He like knew something was up. And he was just running and running around. And they took him down with one shot with a long range rifle, which was such a blessing. And then we all gathered around him. And there were some Lakota brothers and sisters there who had sang and drummed and said the special prayers. You know, they have specific prayers for the bison that they've used for millennia, thousands and thousands of years. And so they sang and drummed and prayed And we circled around this beautiful being and I got to like touch his still wet nose and like stroke his forehead the way that I would have if he was alive because I love cows so much. I know that Buffalo are different, but like big sacred cows, you know, and we all just circled around him and put our hands on him and thanked him and prayed to him and 
blessed him so deeply. And then we watched his hide come off and then like his organs came out and we like ate the raw heart, like took like passed the heart around and like took a bite of the heart. We actually ate like a bite of all the organs. Um, not all, but like liver, kidney, testicles, like really like utilizing the whole animal. And then everyone who participated in the ceremony received like 50 pounds of bison meat after that. And it was just so moving. I was weeping the entire day because part of me just didn't want him to die. Like I would rather. I'm like teared up. Like you, I don't cry for many things, but animals I will. Yeah. And I, he was so beautiful, like just running around living his life on these gorgeous plains in Southern Wyoming, like as Buffalo have done since the beginning of their species. And I didn't want him to die. I would have rather he stayed alive, but for him to die in the way that he did and for us to be able to honor him in the way that we did. And then to be able to like receive that nourishment and know that that meat that was sung over and prayed over and that died instantly and quickly and that lived his life as he was meant to. And that meat is going to nourish my body and help me heal myself. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. Like what an energy transfer. And that was speaking of ancient rituals, you know, we have lost that. And so I think that any person who's going to eat meat needs to participate in something like that needs to see the, the impact and, and, and take partial responsibility. You know, I didn't take the shot, but I was standing right beside him while he was alive. And then right beside him as he had died and it will change your perspective. I actually haven't eaten any meat since that day yet. It was the day before I left on my Magdalene pilgrimage. Mm -hmm. Um, but I know that when meat cross, I'm like, obviously so particular about my sourcing, but, um, I know that when it does cross my path again, that my relationship to it will be entirely different. And when I did eat cow for the first time after my years of vegetarianism, I spent, my poor friend was with me and our burgers were like so cold. Um, we're like in Scotland. And I asked like, where does this come from? And he said, Oh, see that hill, those cows right there. And I said, where's the butcher? And he's like, he lives right down there. You see that house with the blue roof. That's his house. <laughs> like, okay, great. A good first I, burger. <laughs> yeah. And then I imagined luckily like the UK has got some great, great systems still going on, but, um, some of it, but I imagined <laughs> the cow. And I imagine every time I go to the UK, I sing to the cows and they always come. They just like come flocking to me. It's this like full Disney princess moment that I always have. And so I just imagined that. And I just imagined singing to them and them walking over to me. And I imagine touching their soft little faces and their little wet noses, how I just love them so much. And they like have their big tongues and they try to lick you. And I, I, brought myself again into that five senses reality of that experience with that level of reverence and love for that animal. And then I ate that burger and God is blessed. That was the best burger I ever had in my whole life. I tell you what, it was magnificent. And so I think that that's, you know, there's so many rituals to charge our light bodies and amplify our toroidal fields with our partners and do sex magic and manifest what we desire. And some of the most important rituals right now are the rituals of reclamation of remembering our ancient ways. Like the original tagline of my business was like bringing the ancient way to the modern day. And what does that look like? So that, so that we can 
reharmonize with this planet and like those things that are out of balance and these systems that we have in place that are that are harming us and that are you know just raping and pillaging the earth like how can we create more balance within our personal lives and our communities and our friendships and and then like allow this this way of life to ripple out into the world and and ultimately change it you know it's that margaret mead quote right like never doubt that a small group of committed citizens can change the world in fact that is the only thing that ever has yeah and so we feel like we are the change we're the change that's right you know that's right i mean and all we can do is inspire each person to 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 do it for themselves it's like whenever somebody makes a lot of progress and they're grateful and they're like thank you for something i'm like you did it like maybe you were inspired but man i can't do it for you so that's all we're trying to do that's all i'm trying to do is just inspire people to be able to look within to go how can i be in integrity in more aspects of my life and how can i be in resonance with my truth and with the truth thank you so much for sharing those are amazing techniques and vulnerable stories and really really strong powerful stories that need to be told and will definitely inspire people so thank you for your magic today and enjoy the rest of your trip in Europe. Thank you, sis. I will. I will. Thanks everybody for listening to the pretty intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.